2023 preseason friendlies got off to an explosive start with fireworks on display both on and off the field. Hello and welcome back everyone. You are listening to Miami Total Football Radio where the beautiful game collides with passion and analysis. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one of your weekly co-hosts of this bilingual inter-Miami focused podcast. We provide you with all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. We also go by the name of Miami Total Football Radio, and I'm feeling like I'm in my mid-season swing with the way I just got that one off. So, uh... Joining me this week on what is sure to be a very fiery episode are the Honduran duo that is Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajisita. Now let's do with some quick pleasantries here, folks, because we have so much to talk about this week, and we're still trying to do our best to get us within that time frame that we're gunning for in 2023. So, Jose, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, I I thought, you know, getting going into the stadium on during the weekend, um, I kept thinking about, you know, how excited I was to get back into the rhythm of things. And I had no idea what that night would be like. There were so <laughs> many things happening. And um, yeah, I think it was it was great. And um I've been waiting. I can't wait to really get started because I think we talked about this uh, during the press conference after the game, Franco. This is, I think, one of the pods that we're going to have to find a way to put everything, blend everything together. And um, I don't know if we're going to make it in an hour, but if we do, man, we're good. We're really, really good. <laughs> an hour and ten is what, what I've been gunning for. An hour and ten. That's That's where I'd like to keep the show under. An hour and ten. So let's see if we can do it. We do have a lot to talk about. I know we say that every week because we do, but this week we have even more to talk about. So much to talk about. By the way, Jose will give you, during the final segment, his Joseph Martinez Arepa review. There you go. You'll get it from Jose there at the very end. Andreita, how are you today? Welcome back. You missed last week's show, but we welcome you. And on your return, I ask you, how are you doing? Hi, guys. Glad to be back. Glad to be here. I'm ready to get into it. I'm ready. And I, I will just say something. I will bid you both in FIFA, but <laughs> you're not ready for that conversation. So let's move on. <laughs> that We have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about with regards to Inter-Miami. We've got to talk about the preseason match against Vasco da Gama, which, as we know, the team lost. We have to talk about the fireworks display that happened in the first half that led to a walkout from the fans, a protest from La Familia. We'll dive into that. We've got to talk about what is next for Inter-Miami in terms of some moves that they've got lined up with uh, Emerson Rodriguez and Damian Lowe. We'll also dive into individual performances uh, and just overall individual players like Rodolfo Pizarro and Edison Ascona, as well as Robbie Robinson. So a lot, a lot, a lot to get to. Guys, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Okay, everyone. So I would love to dive into the X's and O's of the preseason game 
Especially since not everyone could watch it. If you were not at Drive Pink Stadium, the only way you could watch it was whether either you were in Brazil watching the the street or the the broadcast thanks to Vasco da Gama, or you found a way to watch a Brazilian stream online here in the United States or somewhere else, wherever else in the world. This game was not streamed, so I would love to dive into the X's and O's first, but we can't. We will, but we can't do it right now. We have to talk about the fireworks display that La Familia led off in the opening minutes of the match that led to a halftime incident in which stadium security came to eject a few, a handful, those responsible for letting off the fireworks, but which prompted the supporters groups, Inter-Miami supporters groups, all of them, to walk out in unison as a sign of protest against Inter-Miami for the decision to try to kick out a few fans that let off fireworks. There's been a lot of talk about whether it's good or bad. We've had a few days to sit on it, think about it, gather our thoughts. Jose, I start with you. Uh, listen, this is a... Uh, uh, this is a, a very tough situation for me because I, I I understand the fans. I know what they want to do. I mean, they don't want to hurt anybody. They want to make the atmosphere, you know, better for for everyone, for for the rest of the fans, for for the players, and and they have been a big big part of Inter Miami. And um, I think we all know that, and we can see that, you know, based on. Um, the way the team is advertised in South Florida, they basically use La Familia as you know their their main asset. So I understand what they're trying to do, but at, at the same time, you know um, the rules of the game have changed for fans as well in the last few years. You know fireworks are not allowed anymore, and it's not a a, a, a South Florida thing. It's not a Dry Pink Stadium thing. Um, we've seen in Concacaf in the last few years, and just talking about Concacaf. In the last few years, how you know, a home team, uh, the supporters group decides to use fireworks, whether it's in Central America, Mexico, um, and and they get fined, and and sometimes they they're not even allowed to play with fans the next three to four games, they get suspended. The stadium gets you know you you get banned from the stadium. So, I think they need to find the middle ground here. I think both sides need, need they need to come together. I don't think it was necessary if if it is the case because there are several reports, several versions of what happened. If it's the case that the team called the police on them, I don't know if that was absolutely necessary to do so. I think they need to come to the middle, have a conversation of what they what they can do and and what's dangerous for them to do. Um, but it but it's tough, man. It, it, it's tough because. Um, I don't think anybody that's involved in this situation wants to hurt the team, but I can understand how people can get frustrated from both sides, from both sides. It's been a very polarizing topic because there's people that think, you know, it's just harmless fun. There's people that think uh, it's dangerous. So in the moment, in the moment, I just saw fireworks going off. It was, there was a lot of fireworks going off. Which is why I took video of it. If you want to see the video, if you haven't seen this, if you know, you're just catching up, you can find it on Miami Total Football's YouTube page or my Twitter handle at Franco Panizo, or you can find it on 
Miami Total Football's Instagram account from the press box, which there's a reflection of of uh, some of the media members, Jose's shoulder included, just because, yeah, the Inner Miami press box is not uh, open air and the, the windows, unfortunately, or the glass doesn't open. So anyway, uh, you know, I, in the moment, it caught my attention and, and it was... It wasn't like a few fireworks, like pew, 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 and then that's it. No, it was there was some loud fireworks, and they went for, I don't know, if a minute or a minute and a half. They, I, I only caught a glimpse of it, and I did it because it caught my attention. Uh, I didn't realize what was going to happen there at halftime with stadium security coming to kick uh, a few people out or try to kick a few people out, and then obviously La Familia as a whole walking out in protest, and then this whole controversial discussion happening. I will say, look, there are rules in place by MLS. You know, that the rules are the rules. However, I think- however, sorry, Andrea, however. No. I don't think this is just about fireworks. I don't think this is just about this incident. I think this is something bigger. Because La Familia, they surely knew. I, I am convinced that they knew. As a matter of fact, I was told by people that I've spoken to since that night and on that night, that La Familia knew that that was not, that they were breaking the rules. And they did it anyway. Now, I haven't found out why, but from what I can gather, there's definitely some discord there between the fan base and the club. Now, I don't know if it's because of the way they're being treated or... You know, they want to do more in the stands, but they're not allowed to do more in the stands. There's something there. There's something there. This, this was not just uh, a fireworks display just because it was a fireworks display during the first game of 2023 preseason. There was more to it than that. There's more behind this. Because clearly, it, it seems a little bit almost like a power struggle. And I understand it from La Familia's side. And, I'll, and I will say this, and Andrea, then, um, you know, you can, you can chime in. This is my personal opinion. Par for the course for MLS, by the way. Par for the course for MLS. That it's a little too orchestrated from the club side. Because they have someone that practically serves as a ringleader. A club employee that practically serves as a ringleader for the supporters groups. That tells them when it's time to walk into the stadium. When it's time to do this. When it's time to do that. And I, that, that doesn't really feel organic to me. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like if you're a fan base, let your, you know, police yourselves. Like, I don't think you need to have someone from the club playing chaperone or playing supervisor. So maybe there's some of that element in here that the the club wants to oversee a little bit too much of how La Familia does its things. Maybe La Familia is pushing back on that, resisting on that. There's definitely more to it. There's definitely more to it. Andrea. Yeah, I think it's wrong for the team to ask the police to arrest them. I think that was bad from part of the team. But wait, wait, we uh, don't know if they asked to arrest them. I don't know if yes, that's the that's... case. Yes, they called the police. They so, might have called the police, but that doesn't mean to arrest them. Yes. No, but... so, 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 sorry, Andrea, because there, there's there's different... They um... told the people that they will arrest them if they didn't leave. Well, okay, so that was t- so, hold on, hold on. So that you're going to now post game. So, talk, talk, so, talk during the game, during the game. In because now you're going post game, and we, we haven't really gotten there to, to. I don't want to confuse listeners. During the game, stadium security came. Now was that because the team told them to, or was that because you know it's just MLS policy? Look, MLS policy, MLS 
you know, if you go to MLS website, fan code of conduct, it says prohibited items, right? There's a long list of them. One of them says this, one of the bullet points, fireworks of any kind, including but not limited to flares, smoke bombs, incendiary devices, and pyrotechnics, or incendiary devices, sorry, and pyrotechnics. How often do we see flares in the stands? We saw them when we see them all the time. Also, we see them all the time. So, 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 you know, like also the so the rules can bend the like you know, and I know that that's definitely team approved. So, like, like, definitely understand the fans being like, all right, they want to push the envelope. One and two again for me, they they're there's more to it. There's more to it. But go ahead and. The thing is that this happened already in in River Millonarios. The the from River Millonarios got fireworks also, and they were throwing the police at them. So it's not about being an MLS rule only because they apply it in the stadium, even though it, the River Millonarios was not an MLS game. And I was there when I saw police telling people you're gonna be arrested if you don't leave in the River Plate game. So. It is a policy that the stadium has, I guess. I don't know. But it would it would be nice if the club gave a statement. We asked for a statement. We were told that they were going to come out with a statement. But unfortunately, like everything in this club is a secret, is a thing, is, a, is that, is a this. I don't know who has to approve it for them to talk and to say stuff. But they haven't said what exactly rule was broken because okay we hear every time mls doesn't allow flares doesn't allow smoke doesn't allow fireworks but this was not an mls game this was a friendly supposedly so is it the stadium is it inter miami what is happening and i agree with you franco i guess uh, fans saw the um, so River Plate and some millonarios and the show that they put it and they said, oh, maybe we can do this because it was definitely a different kind of atmosphere when you had River and millonarios with the barra there. And maybe they saw they felt inspired. We ha- we want to have this kind of atmosphere in the game, uh, in Inter-Miami games, and that is what they wanted to do. But the club is not so convinced. So in here, I agree with Jose. When Jose says, they market them because they market the familia and they market that, but they want to control how they do it and right, well, that, which we... is which is what I think is the biggest problem, Andrea. Exactly, which is yeah. which is listen, there are rules and I understand you needing to follow them. I don't understand and or don't agree with the club wanting to have that much control over how something that's supposed to be organic, a fan base is supposed to be organic, how they cheer how they support how they boo if they feel like booing like I, I don't I don't agree with that and there was times last year and I'll say this here there was times last year where fans can attest this again we're in a closed press box so we can't hear uh the acoustics that happen in the stands as well as we would like but I heard last year there were times where Inter-Miami was pumping in audio of like fans making noise during the game just to add to the atmosphere and add to the environment and make it seem like the it was louder than it is. Which one, if I'm a La Familia member, is a smack in the face because you're essentially saying like what we provide is not good enough. We you need more. And two, it's not organic. So I I have a I have a problem with that as an outsider, and I could understand that if I'm a member of La Familia, having a problem with that from the inside. Just how much control Inter Miami wants to have of the fan base, right? Like. 
Like you guys said, they market them, they promote them, they talk about them all the time. Okay, and, and about the party that they bring and how, you know, how special it is that the relationship is and how, how incredible they are as the 12th man. But then they want to pick and choose when and how. No, you can't do this, this, you can't do this. Again, there are rules for the safety of everyone. I understand that. But I don't agree with the manner in which Inter Miami tries to control La Familia. I think that needs to be revisited. I think that needs to be looked at. And I think that that's what's going to move the relationship between fan base and club or, or supporters groups and club forward. Because, again, clearly to me, this is more... I don't think Jose, Jose. I think that happens all over the league. No, but Jose, I have not seen in any other game... Especially a preseason game, brother. Yeah, that is supporters that is the group worst. walk out in protest. In protest, like the second half of the game, there was almost no atmosphere. There was a bare north stand. There were no banners. All the supporters group banners from the stadium were taken down. I don't know if the fans took that down or if the club took it down or what. But imagine the conversations that have had to happen after that moment, like on Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, like. Jorge Mas and Jose Mas talking to, to lead officials within the club and those people having to talk to, you know, the people that work underneath them and then trying to figure this out. They need to repair this relationship. Oh, absolutely. They need to. And, and, and they need to be a little bit more flexible. Listen, when sometimes I'm at the field taking photos, I see how fans get treated because they throw paper, because they throw uh, whatever thing that they give a flag or whatever and i see how they get treated i think um i understand the stadium needs to have security but those are football stuff those are those are normal stuffs in soccer when you throw paper when you throw flags when you throw whatever you're not gonna hurt a player but the uh, the team and the security act like that is gonna be the end of the world so i think the relationships need need to be repaired but the team needs to understand that that is not maybe not the fireworks but people throwing paper people throwing uh, their support is completely normal so i i really don't i think i think jose before before we go to you jose i think what part of the issue here is a cultural thing i think you're getting you're getting you're getting a very latin american experience with la familia And, yes. and, and the way that they live soccer, the way they experience football. I como, como lo viven, right? Yes. With, uh, with the throwing of the, of the confetti or uh, I forget the term. Not, they're not paper rules, but the, the yeah. streamers, the streamers um, and, and things like that. Things that you don't necessarily see in most other MLS teams. But in South Florida, where you have a very Latin American community. Okay, yes. Just the same thing that you praise La Familia for. You can't also be like, oh no, well now you have to, you know, do this because this is the way. Like, Absolutely. no, that like yeah. you don't get to pick yeah. and choose exactly how someone gets to live the game. If you want the good, then you got to take all of it, all of it, all. Of it. You can't just be like, all right, we want just this, but we don't want like. Listen again, there are rules in place. I understand that you and rules have to be followed, right? Like, you, I don't walk into Jose Armando's house and say, all right, I'm not taking my shoes off because I don't want to. If you ask me to take my shoes off, then I got to do what the rules are in place. But the fans are the bloodline of Inter Miami. If there was no La Familia, 
Imagine what that stadium would be like consistently. And those are the people that go not only to all you know 17 regular season games, they go and travel to Open Cup, they go and travel away to Chicago, Orlando, Atlanta, Seattle. Like These are the people that live and breathe it day to day. So there's going to be passion. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with them pushing the envelope. I'm okay with them doing that. As far as we know, nobody was harmed during the fireworks. If, if I'm mistaken on that, then I'll, you know, I'll revisit this. But as far as we know, nobody was harmed with the firework display. I'm okay with them pushing the envelope if that's what's going to take the next step, which is Inter-Miami trying to figure out how to fix the relationship. Because to me, the relationship right now is fractured. Jose. Right, absolutely. It is fracture. And um, to be honest, you know, um, I think La Familia can move on very quickly. You know, if they decide that they're not they're not being treated treated well or the right way, according to what they want and what they can demand of the team, they can very easily walk away, continue and move on with their lives. You know, there's other teams in South Florida. If they want to go support some other teams and watch professional soccer, they can do it. So... Inter Miami without La Familia is in trouble. They are in a lot of trouble. Um, You know, just watching the end of the game the other day, um, Nick Marshman, which, you know, it's obviously one of the players that have been here for a while, he was not aware of uh, what what happened, of course, in the stands. And um, in the middle of the field, he was looking at the worst, like, worst, worst or supporters group. You know how they usually go after the game and thank the guys for coming over, and you know, uh, sometimes it was not as pleasant. Remember when Iguain was not playing well, and you know they were chanting, and you know which is part of 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 the game as well. Yeah, that is part. Well, this time, you know, they were like, okay, we 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 dropped the nail here. It was not what they what they wanted, but still, let's go say thank you for coming. And they were like looking at the stands and they were like, okay, there's nobody there. So let's just go home, go, go to the locker room. You know, it's different. Those Marsman looked things. confused. Marsman looked confused. Where she's like, wait, where, where's everybody at? Where did everybody go? Yeah. Um, so those yeah. little things, you know, th- that tell you they are already part of the DNA of the club. If the players after the game immediately go and try to look for the worst of supporters group and they're not there, there's something going on there. So, Obviously, Inter Miami, they need to find a way. They need to sit down, you know, and get together. Try to help them understand as well that, you know, fireworks are not. But part I think of the they knew that. I think they know that. I think they know that. I think they knew that. I've talked to fans that are very upset with the way they were treated on Saturday. Not not just because they walked out, but because of what Andrea said earlier when, you know, post game, you know, they were in the parking lot and they were letting off the fireworks there and they were barbecuing. Then the cops came and said they had to go, that they were. They needed to be removed from the area, from the premise. Franco, but not just that. Uh, police, when when the fireworks happened, uh, and stadium security asked them to leave, and they didn't want to leave. Police was called. So, like you're so there, basically so threatening people to arrest them because they threw fireworks. There's some people out there that are saying that because it's next to an airport, right? That it's illegal. Now, I don't know if that's to the letter of the law. You know, we should look into that because I don't know that law. I don't know if, if that's true or false. I don't know if that's something that's just been thrown out there or I don't know if that's accurate. So something that I need to look into. Because if it is illegal, then obviously then that's where police can come in. You know, that's outside of Inter-Miami's 
control. Inter Miami right. doesn't make the law. Yeah. Right exactly. now, yeah, but but really quickly, instruction. Jose, very then, quickly. You know, very where can quickly, they stop? Jose, very quickly. Now, is there? If it is the law, if is it a certain distance? Is it at all nearby the airport? Because I remember back in 2020. When nobody was in the in the in the stands, nobody could go into the stadium because of the pandemic. We were able to go in the press box, masked and everything. But La Familia, members of La Familia, would like stand and watch from outside the gate in the northeast corner, and they would let off fireworks there. I didn't hear any. No. I didn't hear any conundrum there or any big uh, issue. So a lot of games when the strikers played there, and we saw fireworks there. The the people that went took fireworks, yeah, threw smoke probably. bombs, took. Took everything. That yeah. Was trouble. Yeah. That that was not that was not good. I mean, at that point when that happened years ago, it was not good. And, and you know, it did happen one time that they stopped the game because of that. So, yeah. I, I think what Frankly's saying is that before during the pandemic, it did happen, and nobody cared. Now, was it because right? they're a little bit further away? Again, that, that's where I don't know the law there. I'm not a law expert. I, I would need to do my homework there a little bit more to, to see what the actual regulation yeah. is, if there is one, yeah. which is why I was trying to interject I there. Looked into it. I actually looked into it, and, and I did find an, an article in the UK in the UK that said that in the UK, you're not allowed to, to light up fireworks near a state, uh, an airport. Okay, so, so but we know, have, not, we're not in the UK, Jose. David, yeah, David Beckham's one, David Beckham's one of the owners, but I don't think his influence is that big that you know he 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 oversees the law of uh, <laughs> no, Fort Lauderdale. The thing is, I think people had also because even if it's a federal law or, or it's not, people are mad because of the treatment that you get that you get handled like that. People don't like being thrown the police at you. You and so that makes it uh, worse because they were kicked out the people that threw the fireworks they were kicked out then when they went outside they went and kicked them out also so i understand that people are mad and i understand i understand the fans in this case because maybe like franco says they they want to get the attention of the team to try and make things better and finally my last thought i think it's like we've been talking it's a cultural thing and they are not ready to accept and are ready to maybe work together with supporters that are like that and are not like robots that are going to go and yell defense, defense, defense. So it's going hopefully to... they can, they can do, do better because uh, listen, who uh, people that are going to lose here is the team, the team, because people that are, are going to get tired of going, are going to get tired of getting treated bad, are going to get tired of that and are not going to go. So the team loses. It'll be very interesting to see how Inter Miami moves forward here. Because they've got to tread lightly. And they've got to be smart about this. Because, like you guys just said, this is the bloodline. These are the people that pump in their money consistently into Inter Miami. Buying jerseys, buying tickets, you know, uh, spreading the word. Spreading the gospel of the La Rosa Negra. So Inter Miami's got to be careful. I mean, you know. I'm sure they also don't want uh, it to be uh, a lawless land at Drive Pink Stadium, but they need to make sure that they make they make very good decisions. And again, I, I go back to my point from earlier. I think the club needs to let go of the reins a little bit. Let the let the supporters groups police themselves with the understanding, like, hey, 
you can you can operate under these sets of rules and you know what we're going to take a step back you know we're not going to send a, a club employee to go be around and tell you when it's time to walk into the stadium and when it's time to pose for a photo or when you know like if the club can do that I think that could be a good middle ground but Again, we'll see. We'll see how things progress from here. It'll be a very interesting storyline going into the regular season. Something I had no idea uh, or never expected we'd be talking about uh, ahead of 2023's regular season. But anyway, let's go now. Let's focus on what happened on the field because there was a game played. It was a very eventful, eventful night, like Jose said uh, much earlier. Vasco da Gama, the Brazilian club wins the international preseason friendly 3 to 0. The game winner comes from 41-year-old Nene in the 27th minute. Alex Teixeira in the 71st adds an insurance goal and then Figueiredo rounds out the scoring in the 89th. Inter Miami loses again. Very lopsided fashion, but there were some interesting things to take away from this game. We'll dive into a few here and there, but I want your biggest takeaways, guys. Andrea, I'll go back to you now. What was your biggest takeaway from this match? I saw some good things that we're going to discuss, but my biggest takeaway is, I don't know if the diamond formation is the best fit for this team. I'm going to leave it like, just a thought like that. La dejas ahí rozando ahí. Okay, she, yes. leaves the, she leaves a low cross just across the face of the goal, just waiting for someone to finish it and power it home. Jose. Do you want to dive into the diamond formation? Do you have a bigger takeaway, a different takeaway? Uh, maybe not a bigger takeaway because, you know, I think that's the main talking point. Obviously, the first preseason game, that's the that's the, that's the one thing that we were looking for, um, especially when, you know, Phil and Campana, uh, just hours before the game, basically told us that they were play, they will be playing with two strikers. So that's something that we wanted to see. But I did like the way they were moving the ball. When they move when, uh, offensively, you know, when... Um, when the when the ball when they had possession, I think early on they I saw some good signs there. You know, I, for the first game, only two weeks of training. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. I think they have some quality there in the middle, and if they can be successful, if they have possession throughout the regular season, I think they can make some damage. Although, at the same time, obviously that's a risky formation because you know you can get exposed. And and now with you know Damian Lowe. Well, I think I jumped the gun here. <laughs> Hold that thought. Hold that thought, yeah. sir. Hold that thought. Well, look, let's let's maybe no longer with the team. Then, you know, um, I think that that could be very risky. But you know, if if you're thinking about scoring goals, I like what I saw. I like okay. what I saw from Inter Miami. Okay, so let's start with you guys talked about the diamond. I, I agree that I think it's the biggest takeaway from what happened on the field. Now, this was the lineup that started the game. Again, it's a 4-4-2 diamond. Drake Callender in goal. Backline from right to left. DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Christopher McVeigh, Noah Allen. The midfield was comprised of Gregory as the defensive midfielder. Robert Taylor on the right side of this narrow diamond. Rodolfo Pizarro on the left. Corentin Cocojan as the 10. Up top, you had Leonardo Campana and Ariel Lasseter. I agree with you, Jose, that I liked the football 
that was on display more than I liked what we saw last year. And again, this is just one game in preseason, but in terms of what they were looking to implement, the ideas, había más fútbol en el equipo. There was more. There were more. There was more soccer to the team. More soccer ideas. The way they combined, they they passed quicker. Uh, you didn't see any player get stuck on the ball for too long. It was a lot of quick combinations, a lot of interplay. But in doing so, the team lost profundity. It lost the ability to really penetrate that final third in that first half. There were some good moments with the ball, more aesthetically pleasing, a good starting point, but there wasn't much in the final third. Now you could chalk that up to you know, Vasco da Gama being ahead of Inter Miami in terms of preseason preparation. You could talk about uh, Coco not being a true number 10. You could talk about it being Inter Miami's first preseason game. You could talk. You could chalk it up to a lot of things, but from what we saw on Saturday night at DraftKings Stadium, team had more soccer to it in the buildup, but still missing that that final piece in the final third. Which Phil Neville said afterwards, he thinks it will come. It's just a matter of, of further fine tuning things as preseason rolls along. I agree with you guys, or I agree with Andrea Jose. You and I talked about this in the stadium on that night. I don't know if the 4-4-2 diamond will stick. Like, I think that's what Phil Neville's convinced he's going to go with. But I don't know if it's going to work in MLS. Especially with the defense that is that Inter Miami has today. I think if you're going to play 4-4-2 diamond, you need a, you need a better... Uh, a better defensive showing overall, and I think a center. I think a key center back is is important to that, and I do believe that they're going to bring what one in. What center back could they bring? Though there's different Brazilians that have been linked with the team. There's different names that are popping up. I mean, there's clearly a center back on the way. I, I think that's cr- yeah. I think that's uh, clear. Uh, now with Damian Lowe leaving, of course, it, they 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 need to have a center back, but that is good marking because when someone loses the ball and. Remember, if they use this diamond, then someone is going to be playing out of position because we saw Corinthian John, we saw Ariel Lassiter, we saw Pizarro. They shuffled a lot during the game. The idea was the same. And I think that is the pro- the biggest problem that I have with that because you have you bring you all these players. Too much. You guys are demanding too much. You I mean, bring come on. all players, Jose, and you're going to play them out of position. Oh, time out, time out, time out. Hold on, Andrea, hold on. This, so... Phil Neville did note before the game that they were a bit limited in terms of who they could play because they have certain injuries, certain players are still not not ready yet. So, you know, Gene Mota missed this game, Emerson Rodriguez missed this game, Joseph Martinez missed this game, although he was presented at halftime, which was largely an afterthought given what happened in the stands. Uh, so there were several players that, that missed out on this match. So, you know, Phil Neville, it's the first game of preseason, he had to... to put pieces maybe in positions that, that, you know, Bryce Duke also didn't play. So Phil Neville had to put players in positions that maybe he wouldn't normally if this was a regular season game just because that's what he had at his disposal. Now, I will say this. I'll say this again. I don't know if the 4-4-2 diamond will work because we saw it last year. We saw it at the tail end for bits and pieces. And I talked to Jose about this on Saturday night. I think one of the reasons why... Phil Neville is considering or, or trying to implement this 4-4-2 diamond. And I think it was pretty clear if you heard his, his pregame comments was they want to be more attack-minded. They want to be more aggressive. They want to score more goals because they struggled in that department last year. So you throw more numbers 
forward, the idea is that you'll have more chances and you'll put more more of those chances away. Turn them into goals. I understand the, the, the philosophy or the idea behind it. But I just don't see Inter-Miami defensively being without without a new signing that can really shore things up back there. I don't see them being a team that can do more in the attack than they can on the defense, right? Like I don't I don't think that the attack will outperform the struggles that the defense could have in this formation. And I and listen, I've covered MLS a long time. I know that scoring goals and attacking players that's what really is a formula for success in MLS because that's where the money's invested in designated players, which are usually higher up the field. You don't really see DPs playing as a, as uh, across the back line. So there's there's a there's an imbalance there in terms of how how the game is played in MLS. I think it's very early, guys. That, I think it's very early. I mean, listen, well, we, we it's 45 minutes. It's 45 minutes, really. Yeah, but because Phil already said, said that Pizarro is going to play as an eight, and he's already out of position. Yeah, but I mean, if you're making an assessment of of how the season is going to be for them defensively right now. You know, uh, things can change. I mean, we can see different formations in in, in next game, which it's on Saturday. No, the next we'll game's on Wednesday, to... sir. The next game's on Wednesday against oh, Wednesday, FIU. FIU. Yeah, for us will be Saturday. Um, for them will be Wednesday. Are we uh, timeout? Are we gonna know the score against FIU, or it's gonna secret like it was against Miami? Andrea, last year? Andrea, don't don't te preocupes, <laughs> not te preocupes, Andreita. I've got you covered. You know. Very well that I will get that score. And I will tweet out that score. So just stay tuned okay, to my so, stay tuned my Twitter handle. Uh, so I you know, I, I think we have to give them some time. That's why I concentrate on the positives of the game. You know, I think there were um, some things that were Yeah uh, good for Inter Miami and um if, if they progress on that idea, I think, you know, good things can happen for the team. The bad things I think it's just too early right now. I think they they show they have quality. Now yeah. I would agree with with you guys that, and especially with Andrea, that you know there's there's talking points when it comes to um, you know the 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 um, the position some of the players are are being put in because I still don't believe Robert Taylor is is comfortable in that in that diamond formation. Yeah. Um, for me, I would play Inter Miami four two two two, and I told Franco this. I think that's a little bit more stable and, and, and a little bit more according to the roster that Inter-Miami has right now because Ari Lasseter is another player that I don't see him as a nine, which yeah. is the position that he played over the weekend. So we'll see how things shape up. I do believe there's quality there. And, you know, even without Bryce Duke, one of the very good players for Inter-Miami last year, and he should be even better this year, making some progress. Um, I think there's talent. I think there's yeah, talent there in the middle. And hopefully, Phil and the coaching staff, they can find the right combination. I think there's no excuse for Phil this year. This yeah. team needs to score goals. And it's on him at this point. Well, that's what I yeah, think I That's agree. what I think he's trying to I do. Agree. I think that's why you're seeing two forwards instead of one. He's trying to put more numbers up there yeah, but to score more goals. Four, it's not a, just about numbers, Franco. You oh, of course. I agree. Intelligent because if you play Robert Taylor out of position, you play Pizarro out of position, you play Corentin Jean out of position, you play Ariel Lasseter out of position if Joseph Martinez is not 100%. The, it's going to take a toll. It can work some games. I have a question for you guys. If the, the the first game of the regular season 
Would you start Coco or would you start Edison Ascona? Ascona, a hundred percent. Who would you start, Franco? That's that's not. Uh... Yeah, you would then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm leaning towards Coco, but you need to. See, I need to. See, you, I need to see more of them. I need to see more Ascona, of both of them. Ascona, we Ascona was the bright spot of the second. That, yeah, absolutely, we will, and we will talk about his we performance. We will. The first half, but Ascona was the best thing. Of the second Absolutely. half. Absolutely. I agree with that. Minutes. I agree with that. He was the, the bright spot in that second half. And it, it was an uneven and uh, unnatural second half. But we'll dive into Another that in a second. Wait, wait, wait. We'll dive into that in a second. Stay, stay on the first half. And let's answer Jose's question. I would say Coco because he's more experienced. Uh, and he's he's been there, done that. Whereas Kona, still still been learning. Been there, done what? Still learning. We're, we're- Talking about one game, Franco. Just uh-huh. First game of the regular season. Well, not the Noah, man. That's, that's fine. That's fine. It's still the first game. What you? So you just like just going to experiment a whole bunch in the first game of the season? I don't. I don't think so. I, to be honest, at home, I don't. You know, no, I don't see that. Were you Were you impressed by Coco's performance? I saw. A- I saw a shifty player uh that had some interesting ideas and interesting movements is he a natural 10 does he look comfortable is he someone that can pull the strings don't know it was only 45 minutes and from what i saw in those 45 minutes you know i would say the signs point more to no than yes but again it's 45 minutes now i, I want to focus on the collective because again i don't think that the attack unless they sign a dp number 10 i don't think the attack is going to overwhelm defenses to the point where whatever happens at the back is is an afterthought. I think this 4-4-2 diamond, and I know it's early, yes, but I don't know if it necessarily has the best balance for Inter-Miami as a group. Because you're essentially leaving that back four, which, are there any standout defenders in that back four? Anyone that you're really like, man, that is, you know, he you would bet him to win most of his one-on-one duels? Is there anyone no. back there? No, and, that was, and, and you have Gregory blanketing them, but that's it. That's it. Just Gregory blanketing them. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see, and I thought this was where you were going to go with your question, Jose, is if everyone's healthy, which, you know, it might never happen. This is, people can get injured and, and, and things like that. But let's say there's a more healthy team um, and a more fit team for match one of the regular season. Who starts in that midfield? Who starts? Who is? Is Gregory the six? Is Gene Mota one of the eights? Is Pizarro on the bench? Is Bryce Duke on the bench? Is Robert Taylor on the bench? You know, like uh, we we still it's still early, so we'll see how the how things unfold. But there's definitely like a glut of options there. One in central midfield, and in the four four two diamond, you're taking away your width. There's no real width now because you don't have natural wingers out there. You know, everything need needs to come from your from your fullbacks, which in this game were DeAndre Yedlin and Noah Allen. So they were horrible. That it was what I what 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 I wanted to say. Sorry, what I wanted to say. I didn't like Yedlin and I didn't like Noah Allen. They didn't have a good cross the whole game. Not Yedlin, not Noah Allen. It was horrible. It was horrible. So they need to get better if they want to keep. If they Phil wants to get better. It's 45 minutes. Jose, I, Jose, I remember this conversation last year after Inter Miami beat Universitario four to zero, and you were you were I think you were saying something similar. Whereas Steve was like, "Oh, it was you know it was incredible," and uh, and I was a little more lukewarm on the first half showing. So again, there were some interesting things out there. I thought Pizarro looked okay. 
as an eight. I don't think he was terrible. I don't think he was great. I thought he looked okay. Clearly, they're going to build up. They're going to build on 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 this performance, or they're going to try to. It was a very feisty friendly, by the way, from the opening whistle. It, it got pretty chippy. It didn't feel like a friendly with some of the fouls. Even if you watch, if you want to see the highlights, you didn't watch the game, you can do so on Miami Total Football Substack. The, the, the game recap, the quick game recap, has the highlights from the Brazilian channel uh, there. And on one of the highlights, it's the foul from Damian Lowe in the first half on, I forget which 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 player it was. And, you know, in traditional or typical uh historical Brazilian fashion, the commentator is like, ooh, ilo, que isso? Que isso, Damian Lowe? Because he's like, mind blown that Damian Lowe went in that hard in a, in a preseason game. Pelo amor de Deus, que isso, Lowe? So, uh, it, you know, it was definitely chippy on the field, uh, fiery, if you could say. So, there, there, but there were some positive things with the ball that I was interested in. We have to see this team closer to full strength and see then what uh, what Phil Neville does. Is Greg going to stay as the six? Does he put Gene Mota back in? Like, we'll see how, how Phil Neville approaches things. Interesting things, yeah. but yeah. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that the 4 4 2 diamond. Jose, don't, don't you dare. Tell me that you're convinced Say now, that you're or, yeah. convinced because you told yes. me in that press box you that you thought, like yeah, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. On Saturday night, you told me you did not think that the four four two diamond would work in the long run. Did you? Not? I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I already told you. I think they should play four two two two. That's what I think that they should. And, and play. why? Why do you but think the four four two diamond would not work? Why, in your opinion? Because I think they're too, way too exposed defensively. I agree. Okay, so. That's, that's the reason they're and way too exposed defensively. Did you, and they, did you think they you were know, exposed if, defensively in the, in this game in the first half? Uh, no, but you know, Vasco they play uh, they play at a different different um, pace than most of MLS. MLS is all about running, and Vasco um, was more about you know moving the ball. So you know, if you lose the ball in the middle of the field and you're playing an MLS team. They will outrun you in a minute, which is different from what Vasco was trying to do. Um, they 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 don't they don't they don't go for the so that's why I think in MLS it's not going to work. And I told you this, I told you this in MLS this is not work. This is not going to work. But yeah, I what I'm saying is that I think they have talent and they have yeah, plenty they have of players. Talent. Oh, I, 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 yeah. I like what I saw. I like what I saw because Pizarro has a lot of chemistry with Ariel Lassiter, with Campana, uh, even with Corinton John. I would like to see Pizarro playing with Bryce Duke and Edison Ascona also. I would like to see that. Inter Miami has a lot of players that they could build up because they are players that can play with a first touch that sometimes is missing in this league. So I think that would be interesting to see. But I think also that if they continue with this diamond formation, that is not the way to go. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. I think they, I think they can win games, but I think they're going to win them three, two, four, three, or five, four. They're going to be like that. But I think they're okay with that. I think they're okay with that. I think they're okay with you know out, having to just outscore the other team. I, I don't think that they. I think Phil Neville now has gone the like in terms of his approach now. I think he's going like complete opposite of what we saw at the start of last year, where it was a bit more of a of a counterattack exactly. team that was looking to to hit on the break and transition with speed down the wings. I think now. Based on what he saw at the end of last season, now he his you know he's flipped the switch and now he wants to be very attack minded. But I think well, in doing so, that that could leave the defense exposed. I think that could leave the defense exposed. Let's let's, let's touch on some very quick other like little items here because there, there's a lot to talk about this game and we're already pushing 
yeah, I don't know if we're going to make it the one hour 10 on this week's show. Uh, Inter Miami looked to build out from the back. They were trying to build out. They tried to, you know, pass it to the center backs and then try to play it out to the wing, uh, to the fullbacks on the wings. And they, they were looking to build up. They weren't hitting long balls up top for, for Campana and, and Lasser to fight. So they, in the build out, they played it short and they tried to play, which led to some interesting moments with the ball. Now, while I thought Vasco da Gama, you know, got into the final third and had dangerous or sequences that looked threatening, they lacked a bit of sharpness. They were a little bit sharper. I think they punish Inter Miami sooner. Inter Miami's first two goals are just individual mistakes. DeAndre Yedlin, I will just chalk it up to him being in preseason mode because I don't know what else you could chalk it up to. The first goal, and again, go on Miami Total Football Substacks if you haven't seen the goal or you want to rewatch them because in, in the in the moment uh, you didn't see it clearly or and there was no replays neither in the press box nor on the on the big screens at Drive Pink Stadium. DeAndre Yedlin has the ball near the you know on the right flank in the defensive third, and for some reason he tries to dribble around a Vasco da Gama player and he's facing the sideline. And the Vasco da Gama player strips him of the ball and then hits the low cross in to the middle that's finished by 41-year-old Nene. So, not sure what DeAndre Yedlin was trying to do there. I will just chalk it up to, to preseason. The second goal, Amema Bika in the second half plays a pass to Nick Marsman. And Nick Marsman, who's we know and we've talked about how his strengths are, his passing and his technique, he takes a poor first touch, ball gets away from him, and then boom, ball smashed home. 2-0 Vasco da Gama. So even though Inter Miami defensively, I have concerns. In this game, the first two goals they gave up were due to individual mistakes more than uh, Vasco da Gama carving them open. Now the third goal was better play from the Brazilian club and, and they, they played a pass in, a through ball in short into the penalty area and then a, a nice finish crossbody to the far post from the left side. So that goal you could say, all right, was a little bit more uh, defensive breakdowns plus good play from Vasco da Gama. But the other two goals just... Inter Miami individual mistakes. And and this was the second half lineup because we do need to talk about that second half. It was Nick Marsman in goal. It was wholesale changes. So Nick Marsman in goal. The back four from right to left was Israel Boatwright, Modesto Mendez, Amema Bika, and Harvey Neville. Your six, your defensive midfielder was Nobel Okello, the trialist. Your two eights on the right side were, Jose, I'll let you say this one. David Ruiz, Catracho. On, okay, Catracho is not part of his name, just for you listeners. Catracho is just a, a way to say Honduran. Uh, on the left, as the left number eight, was Benjamin Kermashi. The number 10 was Edison Ascona. And up top, you had Robbie Robinson and Jake Lacava. We'll dive into Edison Ascona's performance, because I know you guys are chomping at the bit to do so. Again, I agree with you guys. He was the bright spot. I don't know if he's ready to be with the starting first team, you know, with the first team with Inter-Miami, but it's a promising performance that could lead to more minutes here in preseason, and if he does well with that, then he enters the conversation. A good starting point for Edison Ascona. Jose. Well, I think you have to give him a chance. I think this is the time for him to to shine, and this is a very important year for him. I mean, he's going to the World Cup with the Dominican Republic in just a few months, so, you know, he knows exactly what's on the line for him. And, um, and, and to be honest, right now, 
the formation that you know the coaching staff is is thinking of mm-hmm. it, it's perfect for him uh, yeah. it's perfect because yeah. you know what happened last year for him is that you know there was not enough room through the wings you know he couldn't compete for a spot there in the middle he couldn't compete for a spot because he can't play defense you know he's he's an offensive minded player and and I asked him this morning what's your favorite position and he said I want to be a 10 I am a 10 I want to be a 10 that's what he said so you know this inter miami in 2023 is going to provide that that position is going to be available it's going to be up for grabs which it didn't happen last year until Pozuelo came 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 by and by that time you know it, it was it was an eventful season for him already going to El Paso to USL and then coming back I don't know. I think this is a very important year for him. And if you're in his camp and you're his family, I think you have to talk to him. And, and probably people already talked to him and, and told him, listen, this is your chance. 2023 should be your year. I, th- I agree with you. I think that this formation, although, again, I'm not convinced with it for Inter-Miami in the longer term, I think this formation suits him very, very well. Because he can play as the 10, but he has options to pass to because now he's got two forwards ahead of him. And... He doesn't have to, he, you know, he, he can play more within the team and the team concept. And you saw that in this game. You didn't see the Edison Ascona that holds on to the ball a little too long or that tries to be too individualistic. You saw an Edison Ascona that looked to play passes quick, that tried to make things happen uh, on his own when the moments called for it. N- you know, no play highlighted that more than when he, and he went on a dribbling run just outside the 18-yard box and he... From my vantage point, I mean, no replays here, but from what we could see, I think he megged his defender, uh, turned him, and then he had a, a good look inside the penalty area, Ascona, and he takes a shot that was saved, and the ball, the goalkeeper just got just enough of it, because the ball still took a bounce afterwards, and it bounced just over the crossbar instead of bouncing into the goal. And you could see how frustrated Ascona was, because it would have been a heck of a goal. Even if it's a preseason goal, it would have made a highlight reel, for, definitely, because he, he megs the guy, turns him, gets an open look yeah. inside the penalty area. Shoots it, and the goalkeeper just gets enough to, to, to get it over the crossbar. Uh, you know, a, a different type of bounce, and that's a goal. So, uh, you know, that, that, that was Inter Miami's best chance on the night. They're, I, th- I think so, yeah. especially from the run of play. So, if Ascona can build on it, then, he, then he's got a chance to earn more minutes. And what, like you've said, is a big year for him with the Under-20 World Cup, um, with the Dominican Republic national team. You know, it's a big year for him, and I think Inter Miami's formation plays to his strengths because up until this point I had asked you I was like I don't know if he can be just a, a 10 in a 4-2-3-1 at, at, in MLS, at an MLS level at this point in his career I also don't think he's a winger where he's he's played sometimes where Inter Miami's just trying to, to get him some time to try to make him an option there I think a 10 in a diamond with two forwards playing ahead of him where he's got you know players to pass to and combine with I think that suits him let's see how he does the rest of the preseason Andrea I think I think uh, this is. A, I agree with you guys. This is Scona's moment. It it is known in this in this podcast that I really like him. I think uh, he's a great player. He's one of the talents that Inter Miami have that they could sell after this under the World Cup. Because let's face it, um, teams, big teams in Europe, go to these uh, tourneys to 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 buy players, to buy young players, and. Uh, Inter Miami has have to make a decision, and not only Phil, but Inter Miami as a team have to make a decision, and the decision for them is now because this is one of the talents that 
they as they want they they say they want to be a, a club that creates and sells players this is one of the players that they could do that okay i think it's on him as well i think it's on him yeah I mean, of course it's on him last year ian Frey he... had a very very good preseason unfortunately you know you know we all know how things ended with the injury i think if Edison Ascona can follow his steps and have a great preseason just like Ian Frey had last year, then he's going to force Phil to put him in it at least. So it's on yeah. him to start. He needs to find a way to be successful in preseason and, and impress the coaching staff so that he can earn more minutes. So, yeah, but, uh, I agree obviously- with that. And I, like I was saying before, I, I really want to see him play with Pizarro, with Campana, with Joseph Martinez. Um I think we we could see a, a a good team up with those those players because those are talented players that can touch the ball and that get good understanding. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Hopefully he can build up and and he kept can keep building up and getting opportunities for the team and for himself. One other player that we need to talk about there, especially in that second half, is Robbie Robinson, who exited the game after about twenty minutes or so. Due to some discomfort, some tightness, as Phil Neville uh, described it post-game. Now, apparently, according to Phil Neville, the plan was for Robbie Robinson to play just 20-25 minutes. Which he almost got to, but... He said 20 minutes, exactly. 22 minutes. And that's very exact. To say the player needs to play 22 minutes. Not 20, not 25, 22. Well, nonetheless, Robbie Robinson leaves the game... You, you saw him afterwards with ice uh, wrapped around his left hamstring. Not sure the severity of it, although Phil said it, was, it wasn't anything too serious. But Inter Miami had to finish this game with 10 men as a result. They had no more substitutions. Phil Neville was pretty uh, displeased post-game about not being able to sub somebody else in, even though it's just a friendly. The, the Brazilian, uh, excuse me, the Vasco da Gama coach, said, you know, that's he had nothing to do with that. That's just the rules are the rules. And the referee was the one enforcing them, not him. So, uh, Inter-Miami there, the second half, you know, it, it, the whole state of the second half is unnatural because Inter-Miami makes wholesale changes. Vasco da Gama does not. So, Vasco da Gama's legs are tiring as Inter-Miami has a whole fresh new set of players out there. So, I do think part of that was maybe what led to um, some good moments or some better moments from the team. We have a completely fresh, energetic 11 uh, compared to another 11 whose legs are, are starting to go a little bit. I think that that could play into it. So um, nonetheless, nonetheless, that's why I think the second half is really hard to to really analyze. But nonetheless, Robbie Robinson leaves with a, I don't know if you want to call it an injury, but he leaves the game, leaves Inter-Miami with 10 men. From that point on, Inter-Miami lost a lot of the, the good stuff that it was showing. Um, and now we're talking about Robin Robinson and, and his health again. So... What do we think? Is this going to be a recurring theme yet again in 2023 with Robbie Robinson? Jose? Uh, I think, listen, everybody knows that I am not a fan of Robbie's style. I think, you know, it's it, it, it's it's hard for me to, to watch sometimes. And um, I, I hope he gets healthy and he finds, you know, the right club for him. Um, to maybe you know there there might be a team out there that that he can you know he can feel comfortable with and at this point I think the the talent 
that Inter Miami has on the roster right now, it, it's just too much for him. It's just too much. So I don't see him as part of a conversation, even though they're playing. I, I think, you know, if he has a chance, obviously it's not through the wings like he played before. Right it's, now he's a now he's a forward option again. Yeah, he should be he should be what he, what I think what the club envisioned when when they drafted him, but I just I just don't see it right now. You know, I, there are so many players that I would put it put in before him, like even Adi Lassiter who looks you know, he's he's obviously playing out of position as an eye, but I would use him before. Obviously Joseph Campana, Coco, Stefanelli, those are five players that I would put ahead from Robbie. And if it gets hurt again, and he already told us that it would be a process for him in preseason. And when you take that first step, and then you have to take two back again, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I don't see him as part of Inter Miami, honestly. It's a big part. You know, things can change, of course. It's just totally in preseason, but I don't, I just don't see it for him um, in, in South Florida. I agree. And yeah, I've, I've already, I've already, I've already said this since last season. I, you know, if he wasn't still on his, uh, I believe his generation Adidas deal, which doesn't count against the the cap or the salary budget, I think Inter Miami would have already cut ties with him. Me personally, and and for him, I think. Listen, when you get injured that much as a player in in a club you need to start thinking about leaving that club and maybe going somewhere else and, and get better. Uh, new people, new doctors, new team could be beneficial for him. So I agree with Jose also that he has a lot of options before him. Um, I, I Maybe... It, it, I think that's the problem as well. Yeah. The ex- I think the expectations are not where they should be when it comes to Robbie Robinson. Um, I I just... I, to be honest, I think you know he he would have trouble getting a a, a starting spot in USL, but uh, I don't think he he will feel comfortable playing for, playing in MLS Next Pro at the same time, just because the expectations around him have been so so out of proportion, you know. Right. Well, even, even Phil even Neville, the- Phil Neville, this this preseason is talking about how Robbie Robinson has the potential to be a number nine for the U.S. Men's National Team. Like, yeah, but you know how Phil talks. <laughs> well, that, I mean, but like, like you talk about expectations. I mean, like you know, you say that publicly, and, and people yeah, will buy into that. Yeah, people true. will buy. People but will buy Phil, into that. Phil always gives. I love that Phil always gives statements like that because he always has an opinion about that. So I don't know. I think Robbie. It would be good for Robbie if he could get a loan move. I think that would be good for him, not just only in the footballing side, but mentally I, I think if he gets injured he cannot be losing another year in his career um, I think he needs to look into that and and we're talking about Ascona getting his opportunity Ascona is like five years younger than Robbie Robinson imagine that and 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 he has bigger expectations bigger um, exigencias I forgot the word how to say it in English help me I don't know what the word is demands uh, uh, demands and it has bigger demands and Robbie Robinson his soldiers should be more experienced so when you compare that that is what I was saying Ascona for the club is an investment for the future Robbie Robinson is already passing that so uh, hopefully he gets better hopefully this is not um, serious a serious injury because uh, that would be uh, so bad for him I, I know Phil Noble you know afterwards said it's 
it's not anything severe or anything like that. To me, it's concerning. To me, it's concerning that he couldn't finish what he was supposed to finish. The stint that he was supposed to finish on the field, that's concerning to me. For a player that's had uh, an inj- a career up to this point that's been injury-riddled, and it's, it's unfortunate and it's sad that he just continues to get injured. And um, I do think it's concerning. Again, I will reiterate, if I if he wasn't still on that Generation Adidas deal that he signed before he was uh, made an MLS player, then I think Inter Miami would have already cut ties with him. I think that deal runs out at the end of this year, at the end of this season. And I think that could be the end for Robbie Robinson unless he, he really lights it up this year or shows uh, substantial progress and can stay healthy. It's unfortunate that he can't. That he can't because, you know, it's, it's just, I can't imagine how frustrating it is for him. Constantly stop starting, stop starting, stop starting. You know, maybe maybe the level is too much for his body. Maybe this level is too much for his body. Maybe he does need a, a change of scenery. Maybe somewhere else in MLS where it's not as much pressure as he was that first round draft pick uh, for the expansion t- side. You know, where he's just another player that they've brought on to be uh, a depth depth piece. Maybe there he excels, or maybe there he, you know, he he doesn't play with as much pressure as maybe he has, or he feels like he has here. I don't know, but it, it is concerning to me that he didn't finish his stint, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But yeah, I, look, if he can stay healthy, I'll say this: if he can stay healthy, I think like like Ascona in this four four two diamond that Inter Miami is going to try and trot out, I think he would have ample opportunity to play. And to show something, to make I don't to make progress, I think he has the opportunity. I'm not saying he's going to light it up, for, and I don't even think. Listen, if I had to pick between playing Robbie Robinson as a, as a center forward or as a winger, I'd play him as a winger. I think we've seen better moments for Robbie Robinson as a winger than as a center forward in his MLS career. But he would have opportunity. He he would definitely be a piece. You have two strikers. That's Joseph Martinez and Leonardo Campana as your as your. Uh, top two striker you options. You got Stefanelli, you got Coco, you got Ariel Lassiter, maybe even Robert Taylor, who has played in every position. But I, th- I think that they, I, but when, when Phil talked about the striker options the other day, he talked about Joseph, he talked about Campana, he mentioned Jake Lacava, he d- mentioned Ariel Lassiter, and he mentioned Robbie Robinson. Robbie Robinson's an option there. He's an option there. He didn't mention, Phil Neville did not mention Emerson Rodriguez. He mentioned Robbie Robinson. So clearly, let's talk about that. Let's talk about. Well, that. no, no, no. We gotta, we gotta stop. We gotta take a break because we've been going for a long time, and we still got a Q and A session to get to, and our final thoughts. We'll talk about that in our final thoughts. So we'll get to that. Let's take a break, and we'll come back after this. Okay, guys, Q&A time. Let's go into a couple because we've got quite a few and I think there's some very, very good ones. Uh, but again, just due to time, which <laughs> we've already uh, surpassed the mark or we're definitely about to surpass that mark that I had set out. I'll chalk it up to being in preseason and the controversy of this past weekend, but we'll just do a couple. First one comes from Beath, not Beast, Beath, and it's a picture of Mike Tyson. <laughs> so... Beef says, seeing Campana down was worrisome. Seeing Robinson out means he's probably done. Martinez comes injury prone. And Iguain is retired. Hmm, so many questions. 
thoughts. So his question is just thoughts. Jose, go for it. Well, I, I thought Campana looked good. I thought Campana looked good. If anything, I think, you know, he, but he was... said He said seeing him down was worrisome. Seeing him, like, you know, when we thought, uh-oh, is he injured? You know, there was a moment in the first half where he took a tackle and he laid on the ground for a bit. I think Beat's overall point is that the that the striker options all come with their injury pass and injury concerns. And it's right concern. It's valid, right? It's valid. I think that's a valid concern because over the long haul of the season, is Inter Miami going to be able to count on those players consistently enough? That's you know that's what the hope is. But are they going to be able to? We'll see. We'll see. By the way, by the way, with Robinson going down, since Beat mentioned Robinson. The fact that Phil Neville, like, there's clearly some misunderstanding there or some poor management, and I'm not saying from Phil Neville, but some poor management from Inter-Miami as a whole, because if it had been agreed upon that Inter-Miami could make 11 substitutions, and that's yeah. it, how how in the world, even if Robbie Robinson was not going, you know, even if Robbie Robinson had not gotten injured or had not gone down with that tightness or had to leave the game with tightness, they, according to Phil Neville, they were still planning to take him out, right? So how are they going yeah. to replace him? How are they exactly. replacing him if they had no more subs? And like, so, so I was going to say that, but well, we were talking too much that I didn't have no, the opportunity. So clearly, clearly, like some part of the organizational point of the game, Inter-Miami botched. Because there's no yeah. way that the referee knows, hey, you, you can have, okay, 11 substitutions, and then that's it. That's what's been agreed upon. And that the Brazilian coach can know that. But that Inter-Miami doesn't know that. If what Phil Neville's saying is is honest, because maybe Robbie Robinson was yeah. expected to play forty five minutes, and he's just saying, "Oh, okay, he was only going to play twenty five to try to, you know, mitigate the concern for Robbie Robinson." Yes, right. Like th- that could I, be a possibility, right? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, I agree with that. You know, I think that's one of those Phil moments that we all now understand. <laughs> a Philism, a you Philism. Know? Yeah, Philism. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, "What? That doesn't even that doesn't even make sense." So wait, you guys were going to. The film. Yeah, like, so, wait, what? Mentiras blancas de film. <laughs> the Phil, yeah. ne- Phil Neville's white lies. Oh uh, yeah, because I was like, afterwards, I was like, wait a minute. Yes. So you were going to that. take you were going to take Robbie Robinson out after twenty five minutes or whatever the amount was Why that he said. Why did you do eleven? But yes. then you had no more players on the bench, and you had used up all your substitutes, knowing that you had used up all your substitutes. Like what? What do you like? That doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. At this level, professional level, where everyone knows exactly what it is, that doesn't make sense. So maybe Robbie Robinson was supposed to play 45 minutes. Maybe. All right. Uh, Let's go to the next question. And we'll go to Elder Bar. He says, does Zlatan training in Miami mean anything? Phil talked a lot last season about building a culture and a bunch of other empty words. What do you think he's actually built that will help for this season? Andrea. Well, I think the the core players coming back to the team is going to be important. The players that he wants to be important keep, like uh, the likes of Campana, Gregore, players that he feels that he can trust are, are coming back. So I guess that is the biggest uh, accomplishment that this team has because in the past it hadn't happened and this year they brought almost everyone back and, and, and they got rid of the, of the ones that they didn't want. So I guess that is the positive that he has. Let's see, in talking about young players, let's see how he handles that because last year it wasn't that good. Maybe just Bryce Took, and I think Bryce Took, in my personal opinion, was inspired by 
Pozuelo and Iguain. So let's see how he does this year with other young players. Um, we got Calendar also last year, but I guess that there you is go. Saha's, Saha's uh, merit because he trains with, with oh, him every day. Oh, come on. No way, Andrea. <laughs> no way. Give Phil, listen, give Phil Neville's credit where it's due. That, like, you can't just say Saha's work and not Phil. Like, no, Phil oversees it all. No, Phil is the well, manager. Let me, tell me, tell me a player that you, a young player from Inter Miami or Inter Miami too, that you think that has been built up. He hasn't built any young players until mm. this moment. That is what I'm saying. Okay. So the best I thing disagree. that he has disagree. done for this season is bring all the players that he, he thinks are the best for the team and he that he, he, he can build for the future and for this season. I disagree with you that he has not helped build up any young players. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I do agree with you that I think what Phil Neville has built is a foundation. A foundation of a roster of, of pieces that are continuing. That can have consistency from last year to now. Because think about it. 2020, Diego Alonso came in with the roster. And then Diego Alonso and Paul McDonough were let go that, that first offseason. So you had... Front office changes, uh, excuse me, leadership changes in 2021. Much of the same team, but leadership changes. Then in 2020, you know, 2021, they don't make the playoffs. 2022, they do wholesale changes from the in terms of the, the roster. So it's a whole new group with Phil Neville at the helm. Now this is the first time in Inter Miami's short history where there's consistency. There's continuity. You got the same head coach. Same sporting director and a lot of the same pieces that are familiar with one another. I also think Phil Neville has found uh, a good way to create and foster a nice environment in the locker room. It's positive, you know, with dif- with the different um, things that they, they compete in, whether it's like the basketball hoop that's in Miami's training facility, whether it's the ping pong table that was talked about uh, a season or two ago, whether it's the fashion Fridays or the fashion whatever that the team does now to compete with one another in terms of who you know who's rocking some nice uh, regular street gear, not Inter Miami gear, on, on one day during the week leading up to game days, I think Phil Neville has has found a good way to, to foster a nice positive, more positive environment in that locker room, and I think that that deserves merit because coaching is not just about what happens on the field. That's what we largely chalk it up to and the results, but also what goes into it is the day to day, you know, the the relationships. So I think Phil. Gets credit for that as well. Uh, we'll do one last one. I always say we're going to do X amount and we just I push the envelope a little bit. But this is a really quick one. Comes from Charlie Weiss. Got to meet Joseph Martinez at the Vasco game and he's such a wholesome guy. I look forward to what he's going to bring to the team. Can we talk about how the supporters section is lacking flags though? Less fireworks, more flags. Jose, more flags for La Familia? Yes or no? Uh, no, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think I, I love the chance. I think, you know, um, the, the Angeles Azules song every time. And by the way, this morning, as we were just, just getting into the stadium, we were listening to the radio and, you know, on cue, the Angeles Azules song came up. I think that's something that, you know, comes from La Familia. Nada suficiente is also from, from Argentina. Oh, that's the name of the song, the Angeles Azules song. No, it's Sorry. Nunca Suficiente. Nunca uh, Suficiente. Yes, nunca Not suficiente. Nada Suficiente. Come on, Andrea. Uh, well, do, you know what I'm talking. Does La Familia need more flags? In my opinion, not necessarily. I mean, they can look nice there, if you know. But I think a more authentic, genuine, natural, you know, vibe from La Familia, like we've seen. I think that's the way to go. Whether it's the chance, they have some flags. Um, 
whether it's the occasional uh, flare or smoke bomb. You know, I, I like I that. like I the like smoke bombs. Yeah, I like I like when and it goes I like pink. I like when I see the pinks. Yeah. I like the streamers. Yeah, I, I like when you see that. I don't know if you necessarily need more flags just so that, you know, like you see these big waving flags. It, it can look cool, but I mean, from a, a supporter's standpoint, it obstructs your view from the game. It's also tiring because you have to have people that constantly want to, you know, wave these big flags around. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't think they need more flags. I don't think no, they need I more agree. flags. That does it for the Q&A session. We'll go to our final thoughts. I will start because these are not going to be a quick final thoughts. These are going to be, I think, a little bit longer. So I'll start. And we're definitely going long. And I promise this will be... Well, I can't promise that. <laughs> um, all right. So I will start. During the game, the eventful game that was Inter Miami versus Vasco da Gama, I reported some breaking news. In the middle of the game, I was told Emerson Rodriguez is on his way out out for this season that he is being sent on loan to a Liga MX club team down in Mexico now I wrote that up in the middle of the game during halftime I got it out there during the second half and now since then it's come out that Santos Laguna is the team that will be bringing Emerson Rodriguez on so Emerson Rodriguez surplus the requirements at Inter Miami I will say I think it's a good move for both parties because Emerson Rodriguez clearly did not seem to be rated by Phil Neville. So this way he'll have chance to get more playing time somewhere else where maybe he can, you know, have an opportunity to be more highly rated or he'll have a chance to, to make a, a different type of impression or a new impression or a new first impression. Uh, and obviously for Inter Miami, they free up a, a roster slot for this season. So I think it's it's a win-win. Andrea, I know you're chomping at the bit to say something there. You were earlier before we took the break. So I will let you chime in there on my final thoughts. What do you have to say? Yes, I think it will be a great move for Emerson. I think he'll do great in Mexico. Yeah, those are the type of players that that Mexican teams like. He's quick. He is good with his feet. So I think also he's going to grow there. The growth that he hasn't had when I talked about uh, in the last question in, in the Q&A section, that is what I meant with Phil because with Emerson was a player who was playing Sudamericana, who was playing with Millonarios, who was constant. What is Sudamericana came... for our listeners that might not know what that is? Copa Sudamericana is a competition in South America that... It is um, the... It... It is Europa the equivalent League. of the Europa League in South America, exactly. right? Like the second exactly. tier tournament that's international. So he was playing international football. He was playing with his team and he came to Inter Miami and Phil practically made it look like he was a novato, a novice player, a player without experience. So I don't necessarily agree that they didn't give him a chance. Look, he played in 22 games last year and that's just MLS. That's not including Open Cup. So he played in 22 MLS games last year. Now he was only a starter. He was now, so. Hold on, let me get there. He only started once, and he only played five hundred and eight minutes, which is not a lot if you divide that by twenty-two games. So he didn't get ample opportunity, but he did get some opportunity. And now, if you're not of a coach's liking, you got to make the most out of the opportunities you're, you've you're dealt or the opportunities you have. And Emerson Rodriguez did not, by and large, did not do that. So again, I agree for both parties. This is the best move for 2023. If he gets some playing time, he, you know, he, he polishes his game a little bit more. Maybe things change in 2024 if he returns. So 
Anyway, Jose, your final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is on uh, Damien Lowe. It was reported this morning by um, Simon Preston on Twitter that Damien Lowe would be leaving Inter Miami and joining Philadelphia Union. There are not a, not a lot of details on the whole thing um, as of right now, but you know the matter of the fact is that Damien Lowe. Keizu, um, Damian Lowe, Keizu. That's going to be one of his last contributions. That foul against Vasco da Gama. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just had to say that. No, yeah. So, so I mean, it looks like he's he's not going to be with Inter Miami, and he probably is not with Inter Miami anymore, and probably traveling to to Philly to join preseason. Um, you know, obviously a very good move for him because he's going to one of the top teams in the in the in the, in the conference, and um, yeah, I I think you know last year for Damian Lowe, it was an interesting year because again expectations were very high on him, and I think he started really really well, but you know at some point he was not able to keep that same level, and uh, inconsistency was so much that you know. It's it was it was it was hard for for Damian Lowe to to play alongside anybody else, and he he felt I, at least I saw it this way. You know, he felt a lot of responsibility to lead um, defensively the team, and maybe put way too much pressure on him. And and things didn't end up well. It, it was not a good end of the season for him. Um, I think it not only comes down to that, but it comes down to, you know, Inter-Miami just trying to find a way to be flexible within the budget and, and bringing some other players in, trying to figure things out with some of the contracts they already have. It's 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 a move that it's it's to be to be determined if it's a good one or not, because I think even you know, with all that happened with Damian Lowe last year, he's maybe the top center back, or at least, you know, he's out in the top two. Now it's either McVeigh or, or Damian Lowe, the top center back for the team. So if you take one of those two guys out, that means you need to bring somebody in because you cannot rely on Malvika and Saylor. Um, those are just not, those players are not uh, uh, good enough right now to, to, to start regularly in MLS. So I think there's multiple layers to this. And then we'll go to Andrea's final thought. I think it's... One... They're moving Damian Lowe on because he was serviceable in 2022, but not stellar. Like, for a number one center back option that he was, he wasn't good enough consistently enough. And I think they want to upgrade that position. Because as a matter of fact, I know they want to upgrade that position. So this helps free up some money... And they send him to a different team, although it's a team in the Eastern Conference. But nonetheless, it frees up some some cap space for them, some budget space, gives them more flexibility to make an addition there to be the number one center back. I think if they make this move, it's because they have someone in their sights that's close to signing. And again, there's names popping up in Brazil. Don't know which one, but I'm convinced that Inter Miami is close to bringing in a center back this preseason. Because I don't think you get rid of your number one center back option if you don't think you have another one, you know, ready to to join. So I think that's another part of it. Final thought, Andrea. And I'm sure it's going to be Rodolfo Pizarro playing as an eight. We're going to talk about that. I'm happy we got to talk to him finally. I'm going to say that as 
my little preview for my final thought. I'm happy that finally they gave us Pizarro to talk to. They made him available in the media availability. But my final thought today is uh, about the memorial that uh, Charlotte FC did today for Anton Walk. So um, I think it was really beautiful, and I'm really glad that, that the team took the, the I don't know how to say it, the, This step to to honor him like that, it's it was very beautiful, and I was very glad to watch it and to watch uh, all the players and all the family of a of a club come together like that. Yeah, rest in peace to Anton Walks. Condolences to his family, Charlotte FC, uh, the entire MLS community. Passed away last week uh, in a boating accident here in Miami. Charlotte FC was in South Florida for preseason. Uh, unfortunate, very unfortunate, tragic. Um, unfathomable loss um, gone way way too early uh, and by all accounts a very 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 popular person uh, not only in that charlotte fc locker room but in any locker room he had been in during his time in mls so uh that does it for this week's show i guess we will talk about rodolfo pizarro as an eight in more detail a little bit later on in preseason maybe next week after we get to watch another game this coming weekend but for jose armando For Andrea Yanis, I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to uh, much longer than planned to Miami Total Football Radio. And we'll talk to you guys again. <laughs>